Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Everything Imaginable. I am your host, Gary Cacciolillo. And before we get started, I want to thank all my listeners for listening and also thank the contributors to my show, who are executive producers Candice Sanderson, author of The Reluctant Messenger, and Ms. Aida, psychic and author of Who Do Cleansing Protection Magic, binaural production engineer Damien Keller author of Sounds Good, Sounds Great, and monthly co-host Jared Murphy, author of It's Not Aliens, It's Worse, It's Us. And if you are interested in contributing to this podcast, you can go to my website, everythingimaginable2020.com, and you'll find everything you need there. And now, without further ado, our guest for today is Kristen Lee. And she is the proprietor, owner, and a medium. But she, most importantly, she owns the Bel Air House, which I guess some people may say is the most haunted house in the United States. Thank you for coming on today. Hey, thanks for having me. Yes, this is awesome. So let's start from the beginning. How did you end up with this house? Well... You know, our house was washed away by two flash floods. And finally, one day when um, I was at work, I found the house on a foreclosed list and I called and inquired about it. And a realtor said that they could meet me there at 7 p.m. that night. And I went and I fell in love with the house. It was absolutely beautiful. Um, Then the next day i you know that night i put a bid in on the house and i went to work the next day and i received a phone call and i went up to the front desk to see who it was and they said the house is yours when do you want to move in and i said when can i move in and they said you can move in anytime you'd like so it was literally overnight that all of that happened and typically that does not happen you know (laughs) it just doesn't it usually takes about six weeks (laughs) yeah it sometimes it could take months from you know I, I've watched a couple of family members in the past fifteen years purchase homes and and just shake my head. It's like they, I guess they weren't unlucky like we were. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> but that's how it happened. And then we moved in, and um, it was a fa- it was our family home. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, you know, we we truly wanted stability. We wanted to rebuild our lives towards self-sufficiency because we had lost everything in the floods. Um, But, you know, unfortunately, there was some things that were there that I wasn't ready to, you know, um, I couldn't explain, first of all, because I didn't want to explain what it was. I didn't want to believe what it was. So I was in um, denial for a very, very, very long time. Uh, so long until I couldn't be in denial anymore. And that's when uh, we moved out and uh, we did rent the house out, rented the house out a few times, actually, after those, after the first renters. And um, it just, you know, I I moved away from the Ohio Valley and I was called back to take care of the Belair house because nobody wanted the house. Um, Nobody wanted the house. So I was uh, stuck with the house for well, until, well, still stuck with the house. <laughs> but it's yeah. not as bad as what it was, you know. I'm now looking that I for a place it. to live right now. Are you? You don't want the Belair house, though. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think if there's anybody in this world 
that could manage to Bel Air house, it would be me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, there's a Karnstein house that's available in Bel Air right now. And uh, I'll, I'll tell you about that after the show. But if you truly want a crime scene house, uh, I know one that's on the market right now. <laughs> awesome. So so when you went into the Bel Air house, and obviously this was perfect home for stability, right? I mean, this was... <laughs> I think, I hope, that was and the goal. So, um, <laughs> like, like, what started to happen? Like, like, what were some of the first indications that something wasn't quite right? Well, it, I, I blamed a lot of psychology. I, I blamed a lot of being tired. Um, but some of the things, like the great big boxes of tile, because we were laying down tile floor up in the bathroom, you know, those things are 50 pounds mm -hmm. at, at, at the lightest. And, uh, you know, I wasn't that you know, um, uh, what do you call it? Um, I didn't, I did not aspire to pick those up. <laughs> <laughs> I had no ambition at all to pick those up at all. And I know the kids couldn't do it because they were kids. So then there would be, you know, questions like where'd they go? And then it's almost like, I, I didn't, we didn't believe each other. None of us believed each other. It's not that you know, we would get into arguments at that point in time, but later on down the line, there was a lot of arguments to where the house was trying to conquer and, and divide our family. Um, it, it was, you know, at one point in time, we had a thriving tattoo business in the mm -hmm. attic. Uh, my son's father is a very, very talented artist and, and a musician. Yeah. Um, Look. You know. <laughs> See? You, got <laughs> you know it. <laughs> you know it. I mean, there would be people... As you know, one one thing that I don't think I've ever told anybody about because I just remembered it. But you know, one day um, we had we Hefe is, is his name. We we had got into an argument because I'd ask him, I said, "Could you just you know take the night off? I, I'd like to have the house to ourselves for one night." And when he was walking, he, we were so mad at each other at this point because things were just not right in the house, and it, and it truly felt like the house was pitting us against each other. Um, but as he was walking up the steps to take another client, you know, to, to do ink, um, he turned around and he did not look like him at all, not at all. And, and it was, it was very alarming. And after they had gone up and you could hear the gun buzzing, you could absolutely hear it. This great big ball just started to bounce down the steps. And then right after the ball bounced down the steps, like a baseball that the kids would bat with, it came rolling down the steps and they were on the third level of the house and there was nobody on the second level of the house for that to even happen. And we always had like the kids toys and stuff in toy boxes. So that was very strange. And in, in the, um, this, this, you know, I was in my office cause that's right below the at, well, it was right below the attic. Um, and I was working on a thesis for grad school and I swear to you, he was up there. I could hear the music playing. I could hear the gun buzzing. I could hear conversations up in there. And I could hear people walking around upstairs. So I knew he was up there. And um, then I heard the front door open. And here he came in with one of his buddies. And I'm and I look at him and I'm like, what what are you what are you doing? You know, just not thinking, like, boy, is that intimidating? What are you doing? You know what I mean? But in my mind, I really thought he was up there and then we got into another argument because mm. he didn't understand where i was coming from and clearly i was so in shock from what i was seeing i didn't 
I, I, I didn't communicate it right. well. So, you know, those were things that some of the things that happened. Um, yeah, there was one night where we both knew that there was something wrong with the house and we, we just knew it at that early, early stages. But I didn't want to believe it. He he didn't want to believe it. But we were sitting on the front porch on the steps. And this is just when we had finished the whole wraparound porch. And that's not there anymore. When, you know, I left the house, people took it. <laughs> they took the porch. <laughs> good old Bel Air. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> but um, he went. He he got so angry because pictures fell off of the the wall. It fell and it broke off the wall. And and I and I said, you know, I don't know. I said, I I don't know what's going on in the house. I don't know if it's your energy. I don't know if it's our energy. I don't know what's going on with this house. But and then I didn't finish the sentence. And he grabbed one of the kids' ball bats and he went into swing at a ghost, you know, and that's so silly. And, that, and that's typical that people want to combat mm -hmm. what they can't see by our, our physical and our, our, our survival mode. What do we do? It's, it's flight or fight. And well, he's not a scared man. So he went into fight, but how in the heck are you going to fight something that you can't see, you know? And at that point in time, that's when um, it just, it, it started really going down the toilet. Um, and, and, you know, he ended up finding somebody else and he moved on with his life and uh, it was probably for the best. Hmm. So when did you start like um, realizing like, Hey, this is a haunting. Did you start bringing in investigators to check it out? Um, well, yeah. I, what, what really um, opened up my eyes to it was um, when the bedroom door swung open one night I was out on the porch playing a little guitar, watching the moon come up over the river. And I climbed back in. Very dangerous. Don't do that. But I was a kid. You know, I wasn't a kid. I was younger. But, <laughs> but um, I felt like a kid. <laughs> Who wouldn't feel like a kid on a full moon just playing some Neil Young Harvest Moon? You know I mean? <laughs> but um, I came back in and I know I securely shut that door. I know I did because we, at that point in time, we had locks on every door. And I remember going into the bathroom to get water. Yeah, I drank out of the faucet back then. You know, I'm sure everybody's drinking, you know, had, had water out of the hose or a faucet at one point <laughs> in their life. And I'll admit to it, I own up. I did that. But, um, you know, this is, this is pretty awful because the door swung open and this energy that was like, you know, waist high started to hover but it was like a like a rain cloud when you see a rain cloud a very dark rain cloud getting ready to just pour down rain mm -hmm. and you can feel it you can feel that that smell of the rain the storm coming all of that this thing was full of like lightning static electricity it, it truly was so staticky that it it i was i really thought i wasn't going to make it out of there and um that that's when i knew 100 percent because, you know, my dog was there. She was still, she was with me. Uh, it was just her and I in the house. And um, you know, unfortunately she was thrown up against the wall by something that is not human. And um, that's when I knew, I mean, that's when I definitively knew. At that point I had some roommates that were staying with me, but you know, everybody was out, you know, gigging or playing. So um, that, that didn't, that didn't help that I was by myself because that mm. scared me even more. It truly did. But, um, you know, the next day I, I decided I, we 
we're not living in this house anymore. We're just not doing it. Um, you know, and my, my son and I, uh, my oldest son had already moved out and, um, my youngest son was spending a lot of time with his grandparents because I just didn't trust the house. I just didn't, I just didn't trust it after episodes that had happened to where, you know, he was in danger. Um, I just, I needed, I needed to, to move. And so I, um, I, I petitioned uh, to be able to break free from that house. And the next day, somebody's knocking on the door and they're like, well, um, you know, we're a construction crew. We're here to build roofs because we had a humongous hailstorm. Um, and uh, they said, we'd, we'd like to rent your house. And I said, when do you want me out? And they said, yesterday. And I said, give me, give me a day, give me two days. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, I left a lot of things there, but I had to pack up what I could pack up. And um, I gave a lot of it away to my, my younger cousin, uh, you know, and, and we left and we went from like a 23, 24 square or a thousand square foot house to, um, to a little two bedroom townhouse that, that, you know, it was like a little matchbox car, <laughs> <laughs> but we were safe. Yeah. And, and our neighbors, you know, our neighbors, um, we still see them. We don't live there anymore, of course, but we, we still occasionally run into our neighbors. They own a restaurant up in the town that we used to live in. And it was such a blessing to hear the kids like Raphael and Miguel running up and down the steps because I knew that wasn't ghosts. I knew that wasn't mm-hmm. something that was going to harm us. Those were the kids. And um, sometimes when I say that, I feel like the movie Night of the Comet, where's the kids? <laughs> Here's Doris, where's the kids? <laughs> Saturday morning, where's the GD kids? You know, but, um, and that was a good time. You know, it was a better time of our life. And then, you know, the house was still empty and nobody would stay in it. So I figured that I needed to get to the bottom of it. And, um, I Googled paranormal teams, Wheeling, West Virginia, nothing. Paranormal teams, Ohio Valley, absolutely nothing. And then finally, I came across a paranormal team that was from um, Portsmouth, Ohio, which is four hours away. And I called them, you know, I'm going to be honest, with you, they thought I was nuts. Mm-hmm. I, I had very strong claims. And um, I don't know why they came, but thank goodness they did. Because when they, when we came into the investigation, I, I wouldn't even go into the house i stayed in the kitchen area um on the back porch and between the back porch and the kitchen because i knew that the house was just it was definitely a cranky house um but it took them after their investigation was over that night they said they would get a hold of me right away and i figured they'd need a day or two but it it was longer than that so i started to worry i was like yeah these guys think i'm nuts I might want to go see somebody, you know, <laughs> I really thought that, <laughs> but um, turns out I got the phone call from them and he said, I, we don't know how to tell you this. Um, and then he played an EVP for me and the EVP uh, said, he said, what do you want with Kristen? And it said, I'm going to kill her. And I said, why? I mean, why, why is, why is the house like this? I don't, I don't want to go back in there. I don't, he says, we want to go back in. We want to collect more data because we need to. And he said, we want you to go in with us because you may have to learn how to, how to deal with this. If you ever have to move back in, what he didn't understand was I never had any intentions of ever moving back in, but we ended up having to move back in a couple of times, like through uh, when renters would move out and I couldn't 
afford, uh, you know, rent and, and the mortgage. I couldn't do any of that. I mean, that was tough because um, it was just me and, you know, my blues dog and my son. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and a Takamini guitar. I wasn't fortunate enough to have a Martin. But anyway. <laughs> so, you know, I went low grade, but still it was a moon and star edition. I didn't think that was too bad. But, um, you know, so then after that all went down, the Mike McAllister was the lead investigator's name with the High Valley Paranormal Researchers. And he kept saying over and over again, I'm going to call Bishop. I'm going to call Bishop. And I was like, who's this Bishop guy? I'm going to meet this Bishop guy because if he can fix this house, then I, I want him to come. Well, it was years before Bishop came and it's Bishop James Long. And, uh, you know, if if he's ever listening to this, I want to wish him a lot of love um, and a lot of healing. He, he just had surgery mm. on Monday, I think it was, Monday or Tuesday. Um, but he he finally did come and uh, he has him and Kat Lang with the paranormal clergy. They've taken me and my family in that house under their wing. Um, they've helped us. I, I've also received help from um, people that are uh, Strigerian, Italian witches. Um, there's I, I've, I've received so many different kind of multicultural religious help that, you know, we kind of have our own recipe on on how we do things at the Belair house. Um, but yeah, I mean, that that's, uh, there's a lot I could talk to you for weeks about this, but there that's, that's it really in a nutshell on on how I discovered that I wasn't nuts. I wasn't, you know, a cashew or macadamia nut. I was, <laughs> I was really, uh, I, I bought a property that I had no idea that had all of that history to it. Um, and, and then I started to learn and I started to dive in to what is the paranormal? Why does this happen? You know, because being um, psychic and medium pretty much my whole entire life, you know, it, it's like I didn't grow up in the Partridge family, but it was the closest thing to it. Right. Um, you know, I, I feel like, you know, growing up in, in the woods and in and, and nature in a rural area and being able to see the night sky and call in the lunar energies and the solar energies and planets and stuff like that that that's that's what you know and believing in a higher higher spiritual belief system that that's nobody nobody judged me for that at home where they they truly didn't but then it, it just almost felt like it was my childhood you know, every kid gets in trouble and stuff like that. But predominantly, it was puppy dogs and butterflies and, and purple popsicles. It wasn't <laughs> something throwing your dog up against the wall. Yeah. You know? But I feel like, too, after, you know, all of these years trying to rationalize why, why, why did this happen? Why, you know, was this just dumb? Was this a stupid decision that I made? Was this a bad choice? I feel like, you know, I had been trained so much in in, in the positive energy the next stage would have been to understand the negative energy and then to finally be able to balance the two in order mm -hmm. to be who I am. So that was a hard lesson to swallow. I felt like Alanis Morissette was like a paranormal jagged little pill, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Instead of screaming about my ex-boyfriend, I was writing songs about ghosts. You know? <laughs> it's like, you have nothing ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> but you know I, I, I try to um I, I honest to goodness I try to stay as positive as I possibly mm -hmm. can you, you have to you know you and then even in the house when like there's pretty negative lower energy that's coming through 
you just got to raise the vibe, you know, you, you have to raise the vibe by joking around. Well, certainly getting everybody outside and safe first, you know, and then after everybody's calmed down to start, you know, cracking jokes or singing just a spoonful of ghosts, make the medicine go down something stupid that just laugh, you laugh about it. And that actually raises the energy and the vibration to calm the house down a little bit more. I've noticed that. Um, but I think that's why paranormal people, um, paranormal investigators, you know, when they're in investigations and, and it's, you know, you cast that line out there to, to, to catch a ghost, so to speak, quote unquote, you're, you're, sometimes you can be sitting there for hours. You really can. Yeah. And there's funny things that happen to each other. You know, there's, there's little things that people do that are silly that make each other laugh. But, and I think that's bringing the, the humorous part into it. Yeah, of course, always be serious, but when when there's a pocket of humor, please you know take it, take it and run with it because that's something that could really level out the the energy that that could be coming through. Mm -hmm. Kind of lessen the blow, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So so, did you ever look into any of the history to find out why the house is the way it is? I did after we moved out because at that point in time, I felt like I was you know, a little bit more stable. I knew, I understood why, you know, why I didn't understand why it was happening, but I understood what was happening because, you know, the McAllister's explained it to me. Um, but yeah, I dove into the research and I'm still researching. I, I've got oh, binders and binders of documents of, of the research and history of the Belair house. But the, the biggest thing is the Hetherington family. Um, there was a death in the house. The house does sit on top of a ley line. Uh, there was Native American um, tribes, uh, Shawnee and Iroquois, that were behind the Belair House, and they practiced their ceremonies during the French and Indian War. And plus, it was the battlefield of the French and uh, French and Indian War as well. Um, and then, you know, it, this is the cool. Well, hold on, I always get things mixed up because I try to keep it in order on how I found it. <laughs> but but the astrology the night sky oh my gosh if, if you go behind the house and you look at the night sky you can legitimately see different planets with your naked eye and i think very strongly um that that's where the native americans would pull in their energy like the the cherokee we have a lot of uh, cherokee native americans here still today in in bel-air and um just recently i was watching some netflix and um I heard the word star people and I, I tuned in real quick and I'm like, star people, I, I know about them. I know all about them because I've heard them at the Belair house, right? They actually communicated. Well, it turns out that the Cherokee tribe would um, would call them star people. And yeah. then that makes sense. Because I watched had, the same thing. You know which one I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so you, so you could probably imagine crazy Kristen on the edge of her bed, like, what? Like a two-year-old, what? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, that was that, that's just another confirmation of research that I was able to find. Uh, and I wish I would have known that when I, you know, was in the process of writing the book, because that absolutely would have gone in there. But I didn't know it at that time. And I guess maybe I wasn't supposed to know it then. Um, but that that's one thing. Then we have the Underground Railroad. And I just learned last night that uh, <laughs> I can't believe I and I, I will get in there. Um, <laughs> but here's the investigator coming out of me. I was talking to um, the 
Mr. Cavalli, or no, I'm sorry, he's the old one, Mr. Flanagan, who is now our chief of police of Bel Air. And he told me that Bel Air was speakeasy. And we knew that there were tunnels underneath of Bel Air. Mm -hmm. We knew that. We thought that they were just strictly for Underground Railroad. It wasn't. It was every every other like business was a speakeasy. So he told me of a couple buildings that um, you can actually get into the tunnels. And I asked him if I could do it. And he says he's going to try to pull some strings. So cool. that might be up and coming. Yeah. I don't know how far down I'm going to go into them, mm -hmm. but um, but he had even stated that, you know, and I'm probably going to get him in trouble by talking about this, but uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll buy him something nice. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but, but he said that even when he was in one of the buildings, when he was uh, doing like uh, pipes and stuff like that, in one of the buildings, um, he said that there was a wall that he kind of, uh, you know, busted down and there was a room there with a door and that room led down into the tunnels. And he said that that building was very, very haunted. And I couldn't believe that he was sitting at my dining room table telling me this. Mm. I, I just, it confirmed everything that I felt, but I couldn't find it. Yeah, I couldn't find that information. Um, and then it just came to me. So yeah, it actually showed up at my, and that's what I always do is like, if it's true, if it's real, if you want me to know, have it show up at my front door. I got to quit saying that. Not in this case, but there's been other cases that I've said that. And I'm like, oh, gosh, I wouldn't. I wish I shouldn't have said that. You know, like kitty cats. Like if there's any poor <laughs> kitty cats, you know, have them come to my front door. Now they're all here. <laughs> so, so, so it was definitely like, so you think it's a combination of ley lines, death in the house. Um, sacred Indian ground and possibly um, underground railroad and speakeasy activities. For sure, underground, 100%. I have the documentation for that. Absolutely. I also have the census records of people that um, were wrote in the census records as servants. Um, but remember, Ohio was a free state, so they wouldn't have been called slaves. They wouldn't have been. They would have been called servants because they mm. were free. From what we understand, uh, before Mr. Maddox died, he um, he was in charge of the uh, local Underground Railroad Museum. So we did get a lot of information from him, too. And Mr. Jim Chase, unfortunately, he's in spirit, too. He was the old code enforcer. Um, but yeah, that's part of it. And um, you know, the coal mine tunnels that go under the house where there were coal mine explosions mm. um, and fires and stuff like that. Uh, there was a newspaper article that Rebecca Gardner and I found like it was from the 1850-ish time frame where it was rumored that Jacob Hetherington, who owned basically all of Valera and, and um, you know, became the coal mining tycoon. It is part of his property and in his one of his houses. Um, he was rumored to spend about eighty five hundred dollars in like 1850s to put a fire out that was in his coal mine portal. Number one that goes from Pinch Run, which is all the way at the end of um, his field to the the north end of Bel Air of the Catholic Church. Hmm. Interesting. Um, are there, what kind of spirits do you think are haunting the Bel Air? Do you think that it is human spirits, demonic spirits, something coming in from another dimension, maybe extraterrestrial, a combination of all these things just piling up in there? I think it's all of it. Yeah, I do. I think it's all of it. And I, I, you know, I, I was never one to believe in, um, 
inhuman spirits, demons, demons, if you will. I was never, ever, you know, my dad was Catholic. My mom wasn't. But, you know, our, our cousin Carl was a priest in the Catholic Church. Um, we didn't ever talk. We never talked about demons. We, we talked about the devil, mm-hmm. you know, um, but we never talked about demons. And trying to wrap my head around that, you know, some people think that, well, that's, you know, the dark ages. We've evolved a little bit as human beings. But if we look at the archangels, we know that the archangels divided. We know that one as one particular data collection that we we sh- how do i say this in one data collection at the belair house there were daemons that were coming through that were brothers of saint michael our archangel and then saint Mike and, and they were saying their names through the portal um not like the you know like the machine portal not mm. not a portal because we have 17 portals that are open in the house too we, it started off as, as like 11, 12 of them, but more people that keep coming to investigate, they they're, they shouldn't, but they are opening up portals. Um, That's what but, Jim said, too. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of them. Uh, right now there is, well, when we counted in the summertime, um, there was 17 that were open, one that, you know, they, they, the team came in and they showed me a lot of data and they said that uh, we think this closet in Edwin Hetherington's room is a portal. And when they showed me the data and I, I, I couldn't, couldn't say that it wasn't because all of the data that they had collected was pointing to that. But going back to that session, you know, there, there's five or six of them open in, in the basement right now. Um, and, and you know we're we we need at least um, three people in that house to do the epiphany. I I can't I I, can't, I know I know how they do it. I just I don't want to do it. I don't I I'm not a demonologist. I don't ever mm-hmm. want to be a demonologist. I don't want to play with that. Um, I'll I'll stay home and they can let me know when the job's done. But yeah, there's there's definitely higher beings um, that want to be referred to as the star people recently. We're like right after we opened the doors for COVID, there was a lady that came through and she said she was the queen. And she said she was, uh, there was another one that came through this as she was a high priestess. And she actually started to read tarot cards to us, like legit tarot cards. So, I mean, if it's a high priestess that's reading tarot, I know a lot of high priestesses and priests and a lot of them do divination through cards, through tarot. Yeah. So I, I think that, you know, that's true. Um, when I did uh, Entity Voices with Tony and Sri Rothman, um, I submitted, they're very good friends of mine. So it was, I held on to this, this data, like a video data for, I think it was, a, you know, at least a year, maybe a little bit longer, because I'd never wanted to post anything on social media, um, because I never want to have my butt handed to me by awful people. Mm-hmm. So there's you you'll rarely 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 see me post like data you just won't um but i i submitted this to them and i said tell me what you guys think about this i i said i we've tried to recreate this we've tried to sit in that house and see if it would happen again um it hasn't uh but i can't i can't explain this this is something that we cannot explain and um the the you know they they were able to Prove, I guess, or come up with the strong theory, I should say, 
that it was definitely paranormal, but it looked like a lady with a veil over her face or that my first reaction was that looks like a decapitated head. And they were sitting around the seance room and you could see the window and there was like a street light coming through the window, but then you could just see this thing growing and it was growing and it kind of came to a point. It, it was, it was very strange. And I was all the way in the other room up against the other bay window to where it couldn't have been my foot. It couldn't have been mm -hmm. somebody's head. It, it just, it, it just appeared this again, this apparition, but it was black veil, dark shadow that just kind of rose up out of the chair. And then on the other side of the chair in front of the fireplace, when you blew the picture up, like inside of the pixel pixels, you could see like a side profile of someone's face. So it looked to us like they were giving or they were at least trying to talk to each other. Or maybe it was Edwin Hetherington, who was the seer of the house, because he did do um, mediumship inside of the house. And he was heavily in the occult as well. Um, maybe he was getting a, a, a spiritual reading from someone. We, we will never really know. But it's it's um, that 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 was the that was the best data that we that I'd ever caught, you know, with my silly phone. I wish it was like a 4K, eight thousand dollars <laughs> camera, but you, you never know when it's going to happen, you know. Yeah. So, do you think? I mean, you said he was involved with the occult. Like, was mm -hmm. he involved with like, you know, like some of the normal occult stuff that's you know, that most occultists do. Or do you think, or do you think he was in cult involved with something more sinister, like Satanism? I don't feel like, nah, I don't feel like Edwin was Satanist or a left-hand practitioner. I don't feel like that. In the beginning, it took me a long time to real. I, I, I wasn't sure what was going on, but over the years, I've built a very strong rapport spiritually uh, through communication sessions with Edwin, mm -hmm. um, Jacob, Lyde, Eliza, Mary, and Sarah. And I don't feel that Edwin has any ill intent. Mm -hmm. He was just so depressed because he wanted to connect to his sister who had transitioned. She died in the house. Right. I mean, he had a sister that died at a very young age too. So he knew about death and the afterlife because his family, they were Christians. They believed in heaven. Um, he knew about that like when we're still developing as children and we're setting our our belief systems at that point in our ages so i don't think he was i don't think he was had will or bad will ill you know not at all but um i think that he dove into it so far and some of the people that brought some of the things in and this is just you know purely you know looking at it, i have no documentation of this but just a gut feeling that some people didn't close portals some people didn't open up the sessions or close the sessions and it may have affected him. And, you know, some of the people were probably charlatans because Edwin was a millionaire and they probably just wanted his money and lied to him, you know, and God forbid anybody do that to somebody that's grieving and coming to, you know, someone that has abilities to connect to um, the afterlife of the spirit realm. And that's, there's a, there's a special place in, the underworld for people like <laughs> <that>. <laughs> it truly is interesting so the spirits that are are or in the portals that are coming running in and out of that house uh, it sounds like like not all of them are bad 
No, not all of them are bad at all. There's uh, spirits that just want to communicate, but there's so many of them sometimes because of the ley line and the portals that are open. Um, Saturday evening, we were making communication to spirits that I had never even heard of. And I'm like, are you new to the Belair house? And some of the responses were, yes, I'm new, like intelligent responses. Uh, and then there was a group there and there was a lady there that um, had recently lost her, um, I believe it was her, it was either her mother or grandmother. God forgive me, because I, I, I'm sorry, I don't remember. And I don't mean to disrespect her at, and by any means, but um, my memory isn't the best with that. But anyway, if we roll the tape back, we can see it. You know, I can understand what it was, but there was so much that was coming through. But she had mentally told herself before she got to the Belair house, I'm going to say one word inside my head before I get there. And if that word comes through and she is actually coming through, all I need her to say is that one word. And I legitimately know it's her. Well, the word was sand and she was carrying a vial of sand in her pocket. And that word sand came through. And one investigator was smart enough to say, watch yourself. That could be the house playing tricks on you because that does happen. Mm -hmm. But all of the information that was coming through, I don't think that it was the house that was playing her. I don't think she got played. I think it was legitimately her deceased loved one that came through, that communicated with her to let her know that she was okay, that she was going to stay with her, um, that she was with her. She was at peace. And that's closure. I mean, that's like, you know, for someone that's grieving to yeah. be able to finally connect to that, that person and, and talk to them and hear them talk back to you. I, I mean, if there's anything that's a miracle, I truly think that 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 is. And a lot of people come to the Blair House, you know, to specifically do that. It doesn't always, you know, it's not always successful. But sometimes it is, and and that's that's a paranormal high five when it is. You yeah, know? so so that's kind of cool. It, it's almost like the house is an antenna for spiritual energy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think so. I really do. I mean, we've got the ley line, we've got the portals, and the energy. I mean, it's just like a great big cell that I I call it like a beacon, like a lighthouse beacon. They can see the light and. And, you know, they're attracted to that light. They're attracted to that energy. And um, we don't, you know, we, we I, when I'm there, um, and most of the investigators that come to the Blair House, we're very respectful. We're very mm -hmm. ethical. Um, but there's sometimes that, you know, when we're trying to communicate with, you know, positive spirits, that negative spirit seems to slip in there and it'll growl. We'll watch. We'll pay attention. It'll growl again. Then we're alert and we're just we're waiting. And then the third time we're like, shut it down, shut the shut the whole session down. We need to take a break because we've learned throughout the past three, four years that when it's growling at us three times, it's not a positive spirit. It's not an earthbound spirit. It's not the star people. It's not higher beings. It's, you know, celestial beings. It's actually inhuman. It's not a cranky old, you know, earthbound spirit. It's inhuman and it's actually mocking the Trinity and it's trying to provoke us to, you know, to get scared or, or to, you know, pit each other against each other. So we, you know, we're wise now to where we shut that down and we take a break and, and we just let the house, you know, settle for a little bit. Um, sometimes, you know, when you, when you walk in that house, at least for me, you can walk in and, 
just start cleaning up everything and it feels calm. It feels nice. It feels like, Hey, let me, you know, throw pizza in the oven and get this rug vacuumed real quick and Mm -hmm. disinfect this and, you know, sit down and eat. And then there's times you walk through the front door, you don't even make it past the table and you're like, okay, we'll come back tomorrow. But you know, by tomorrow, you've got to let us clean up because there's a team checking in, you know, um, Saturday morning, there was a team from, or a, a tour of five that came in from Florida and I was in there alone um, vacuuming and I felt something come up on me and I just stopped and I went out on the porch and I was like, well, I'm just going to smoke a cigarette out here and wait for the house to settle and let's hope they get here soon. You know, (laughs) it's better to, you know, have more people with you than not. And normally I don't go in there by myself, but our friend that helps me catch, she was working and then my husband was on midnight shift. So I didn't want to get him up at the crack of dawn to, you know, to help me clean it up. But, um, yeah, typically I don't go in there alone. And if I do, I leave all the doors open. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, easy access to run out, but you know, it's, 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 it's definitely a, a, a change of lifestyle for sure. You have to plan. I mean, really plan and have a plan A, B, and C in order to operate the Blair house. Hmm. The energy, the entity that growls, is it always the same entity? Do you think that is like a resident evil entity dominating that house? Or is it something that's just coming and going through the portals? Two things here with that. And I, I just, the, the, the first thing is, I think it, it, I've always thought it been the same because there's something there that sometimes it lays dormant for months, sometimes a year. We don't hear from it, but recently it's out again. It's come out again. But I started to think about this the other night. If a spirit is right on top of the equipment, right? It's going to make some sort of a distortion to where it could sound like a growl. Mm-hmm. The, the vibration could like, it's almost like, you know, our amplifiers, right? If it, it, it could, it could be distorted. Right. But so, but then I started to test it. If you're a spirit that's too close, please step back and please whisper and it still growls. So that kind of ruled out that whole distortion, like the spirits right up on it. Mm-hmm. It's probably just that they're trying to talk to with too much volume, so to speak, too much energy to where it's like, you know, making a growling sound or a growling noise. But, you know, everybody sensationalizes growls because of TV. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they do. And, you know, that's always first gut because that's what we're trained to believe, you know, with with um, with, with uh, social psychology, being social people. Um, but I don't I, I don't think it's different. I think it's the same. I think it's the same one. And I think that it does kind of. It it just reminds me of like Geppetto and Pinocchio, how Geppetto would, you know, take Pinocchio on the strings, but then he became a real boy. I think this thing is pulling some of the Hetherington family on its strings, making some other spirits do its bidding. Um, It's almost like it's here you are the bait. And when, when the human emotion is elevated and that energy is omitting from from the actual investigator or human being, if you want to be scientific about it, um, that's how they feed their energy. But there's a whole other entity that's low vibe. It's named Emily. We call it Emily Davis, but she doesn't feed off of fear, shock, 
she she feeds off of grief like she'll and i've tested this and you know i sometimes i get my butt handed to me for like testing the limits but i mean i want to know it's my house i want to know what we what we went through and i want to know how we can combat this so other people that are investigating can be fully protected um and i don't do it alone but you know when i was in session with what we refer to as emily davis you don't have long with her before she starts to make you and I, we don't even know if it's her um before this entity starts to make you feel sadness like it'll make you remember or reflect or have um residual energies and feelings of of sad times um and then th they just feed off of that and and then you've got just a few moments to kind of recalibrate yourself out out the front door um you know we've crossed spirits over inside of the Belair house um we've we've actually we have it on video where we did that uh, it was a couple hour process that we did it i wrote um i wrote about that in the book paranormal confessions um my son was involved in that and two of our very very dear friends uh were involved in that too um it, it's man the house house is alive <laughs> um truly is alive and you just you never know it's just so unpredictable you never know what's going to come through i mean you can prepare yourself from past experiences and kind of have a game plan if things start to shift and change but you just don't know like saturday night there were cold pockets that were coming through like you know the paranormal mm -hmm. cold but it was circulating around all of us it, it truly was and the most awful part the team didn't make it because one of the investigators was violently attacked. Like the inner parts of her thighs were black and blue. Something had grabbed her ankle. And if her one, if another investigator wasn't in front of her, and this happened to me, um, she would have gone down the steps and, and fallen. But the other investigator being in front of her when her, when her leg, her ankle was um, grabbed, it, she broke the fall mm -hmm. and I, I was sitting at the table and they came running down the steps like a bat out of hell. And another thing, we, have, we used to have bats that come in all the time, right? So I, I blocked all the chimneys and, um, <laughs> you know, bats just fly in that house. Like they'll fly through the front door for whatever reason. And they're like, there's no bat sightings for months and months and months. <laughs> and now that they're all blocked off, there's no way unless an investigator is leaving a door open, you know, at night or something like that. But everybody knows, keep the door shut so the bat doesn't come in. And I think it's legitimately one bat. I don't feel like it's it's the same damn bat. So I, I tried to stay there one weekend. It was a girl's weekend. And I, you know, I hadn't stayed in that house forever. And I started to write part of the book up in my mm -hmm. old bedroom. And I'd made it through the first night. I was like, yeah, I got this, you know. And then the second night, everybody went down to Moundsville, West Virginia for a paranormal convention. And I decided I didn't feel like being sociable. So me and my friend Liz, we stayed back at the Lair House and we started talking about hauntings and energies. And we hadn't seen a bat in months. And all of a sudden, down from the, the landing of the top of the steps comes this big old bat with wings this long. I'm not even playing. These wings looked like they were huge and it came right on my head and I pulled my hoodie up and I'm in fetal position. It was awful. I mean, it was absolutely awful. So it, it's it's like it almost targets you. 
Um, and then when, you know, the Daves, I call them the Daves, like Dave Spinks or Dave Weatherly, when they come in to invest, investigate, they've always got bats with them. In January, Dave Spinks was there and a bat actually went in, flew into the kitchen. They have it on film. Him and Eric Connor and Sean Austin were in the kitchen. We were doing a live broadcast and this bat just flew right in the kitchen and, and started to attack them. It, it's, it's like That's attacking so bat. Yeah. But if we look at Native American, um, you know, the Native American spiritual part of it, that's a representation of new beginnings and their messengers of the night. I, I learned that from a Cherokee Native uh, shaman. And he, he said that these are new beginnings that will be happening for you there. It's a positive thing when a bat comes in. I said, mm -hmm. well, or tell that bat not to fly up my skirt anymore because that's creepy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've never had a bat fly up my skirt. Well, that's a true story, too. It is. <laughs> <Yeah>. It's crazy. <laughs> well, like the Goonies, you know, the Goonies when they had all the bats flying down mm -hmm. and, the, and the guy's worried about his toupee. I was worried about just getting the hell out of the house. <laughs> so, so has anybody ever tried to eliminate the negative entities in that house or at least try to appease them with some type of offering? Yeah, we've done it all. We have. And, and most of the time it's dormant. It, it does lay dormant, like the inhuman. I don't like demon or Damon. I mean, I know it's Damon. I know it is. But who wants to admit to that? Who wants to admit that their home has, you know, that in it? Right. I, I, you know, it, it's there. It's absolutely there. Uh, I just don't like it when people call it the demon house. It's it's the Bel Air house, people. It's not the demon house. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's other entities and spirits and, and celestial beings that are there. It, it's just a multi, it's like a mixing pot or a great big cauldron of energy, really. But yeah, there, you know, uh, we have done um, minor rites. Um, you know, on Sundays, I would go in at one o'clock and I would do cleansings. Um, that helps some, but you know, right now the house is pretty rocked. I'm just being very honest. It's, I wouldn't investigate it. If, if it was me, I wouldn't um, because I know what it's capable of doing. And I certainly don't want bruises on the inner, inner parts of my thighs or being um, pushed or I don't want that physical stuff happening to me. I just don't, I've already been there, you know, didn't, didn't want the t-shirt either. I've already done all of that. I'm good, but I, I do. And it's, it's difficult too, because you don't want, when investigators are coming, you don't want to suggest anything because then it can, then, then you can't use it as data because then it's psychological, right? You can't do that. But then you're stuck between an ethical dilemma. Do we warn them? Or do you just say, you know, the house is a little bit cranky and just leave it at that. So people know when I'm saying, guys, the house is cranky. They know that they don't know exactly what's going on, but they know that they got to they got to be careful, very careful. And there's times where the house isn't cranky, you know, and that's really candy coating the word cranky. It truly is. I think Is, it's is there anything that you think that makes the house act up? Yeah, when people do stupid rituals that they shouldn't be doing, absolutely, 100%. You know, we have like five people on, on the list that will never return. Um, people do dumb things. They really do. And I think that that's one of it. But that's one of the reasons why um, 
you know, people just doing some types of rituals that we shouldn't ever do. We should never, ever do. And uh, that happened. So now the house is completely shifted. Gosh, we had it. We had it so balanced. You know what I mean? Like so balanced. And and it, I think it had been the most balanced in years. I'm sorry. You can hear this old antique lamp because my cat is <laughs> himself. I'm sorry. Stop it, Gus. Gustavus. Stop. Lay down, bro. Come on. Thank you. So anyway, I'm so sorry. It's cool. <laughs> Cats are welcome on this podcast also. Oh, don't don't encourage him. <laughs> Especially Gus. <laughs> yes, he's my baby. I love him. Um yeah, but you know, when people do things that they shouldn't do, you know, we have rules. They're on the website. They were on the old website. They're on a new website. They've been published since 2015. No Ouija boards, no rituals of any kind. Um, and then people will challenge me like, well, what do we want to sage ourselves? Well, that's fine. Do it outside. You're saging your body. Anyway, it's not going to be effective in the house. You don't sage at home because sage is for, for your body. Use frankincense and myrrh in the house. And I used to do that. You know, I used to do the kosher salt, the frankincense and myrrh all of that stuff, you know, um, every Sunday at one o'clock, I was told to do that. And, and, and it did. And, and then it shifted because there was a lot of really cool people that were coming in that were spiritualists, you know, yeah, they were paranormal mm -hmm. investigators, but they also were coincided with spiritualism. So it, it just felt so much nicer, but, you know, then people come in there and they, they do their stupid stuff. And then all these negative awful things violent things start happening to people and you know I, I just i just one day karma bus will stop at their house and all the good stuff they they put out god bless them hope they get it but all the bad stuff that they put out you know they're going to get that too mm -hmm. so that you just got to be careful is there any like you know i have i've been a paranormal investigator also and you know there's different ways of investigating um like me, typically, I'll go into a place and just kind of sit and wait for something mm -hmm. to happen and maybe ask a couple general things to happen. And then there's other types of people that will go in and try to provoke mm -hmm. responses. Oh, yeah. Um, when you find that people come in there and trying to provoke a response, is that one of the things that aggravates the house? I think it does to a certain degree. I do. Um but you know the house is so intelligent if it knows that somebody's coming in there with bad intent it, it'll make them it, it'll react to them it will and it's not going to be a nice reaction if they have a, a motive that isn't kind isn't of love isn't of, of if it's just bad if it's awful they're going to get it first they will get it before anybody else as i've seen it and and i wish i could stop it and there's there's truly no way to stop it you know if somebody's coming in there and <laughs> this one guy came in and um you know he, he walks he doesn't even say you welcome to the Blair house and he's like you know normally you would bump you know pre-covid or pre-covid we would shake hands <laughs> now we're all bumping elbows <laughs> and stuff like that you know because yeah what a world um but um he not even like hi i'm you know joe here's my hand or anything he's like oh, 
oh my god i feel a child and i'm like oh my gosh you're reading the inch are we like in church let's not do this here you know and it, it's it's then you have to kind of get them focused because at that point in time they're so open mm-hmm. and they're admitting that kind of open energy even if it's legit or not legit something in that house is going to pick it up they will take offense to it and they will be targeted um you know there's people we we tell people in the beginning don't eat meat because before you come to the Bolero house especially like don't eat, eat meat period but in in the beginning it was like don't eat red meat don't you know don't if if you're a lady and you you know uh, uncle fred shows up real quick and you're bleeding maybe let's let's reschedule your investigation because you know blood is a big thing um first of all if somebody's on their menstrual cycle they're tired anyway you know, and they're going to be more susceptible to if you're tired, if you're sick, you should never investigate. You shouldn't. You should reschedule it. And, you know, if somebody comes to me with a legit um, reason like, hey, you know, I'm not feeling good today. OK, um, when when do you want to do this again? Uh, you know, these are types of things that we used to do, but it, it, it's almost like it doesn't even matter anymore. It, it's I don't know if the house caught on to it. I'm not real sure what's going on with that part of it, but people come but I, I see when we did this one experiment we had um six ladies in the house and they were there for a couple days and none of them none of them had any you know girly visits none of them did but about the third night that they were there it was like clockwork one hour this lady did the next hour the next one did the next hour the next one did and then then and then again and again to where they were all on their period and i was like that's that you guys we need to be very careful. I, I recommend you all cut the experiment and leave because if your bodies are reacting to that type of energy and they're weighing down on that energy to make you tired, to keep you off your guard, you're in danger. And that's the truth of the matter. And a lot of them are vegetarians, which is good, but a lot of them weren't. And they were craving raw meat, like raw meat, like not moo. Hey, I want it rare. You know, like they wanted to actually drink the juice that was in the package of the meat. So that that was really bizarre for me to actually see that firsthand because I'd always heard, you know, through Stregas that not when you're on your period, do not investigate and do not eat meat at all. You know, sometimes, you know, God, I lived by that, too. I lived by that for years. And, you know, when I knew that November was coming and we could close the house down, I went out to Texas Roadhouse and I had the biggest stake of my life because I knew I didn't have to go back <laughs> in January. <laughs> <laughs> I, I never heard that about eating meat. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's old Strigeria. Um It's just it's it's old world. It's very old world um, because you know, in human spirits, it's, it's so you know when an animal is slaughtered or they're you know they they get the shot in the head. There's that sudden impact in that that shock and that that terrifying feeling and that is residual energy inside that meat right yeah they process it and then there's still blood attached to it and we're ingesting that right so i think that's where it's all derived from at least a a little small Mm -hmm. component of that but the other physiological part like you know if you cut yourself in the blair house you know leave leave for a little bit like you know here's here's the first aid kit let's go outside by the cadillac you know what i mean let's take <laughs> care of it outside let's not do this inside but there's a lot of people that you know i've noticed oh 
gosh, there. How I know is because the band aids disappear. You know, we we buy a box of band aids, and then two months later, where's the band aids? Oh, mm-hmm. we better go get some more. It's like we go through band aids more than we go through light bulbs sometimes. Yeah, that's kind of weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really is. Strange lifestyle, man. I'm telling you, it's, 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 you know, my, my husband was telling me today, he's like, you know, we really live a very odd life. He's like, you know, when I was younger, I, I worked in a graveyard and I, I buried the dead. He said, now we're caretakers of the dead. And he said, and I, I work and you work on the psychic line and we connect people to the dead. He's like, what the hell is wrong with us? <laughs> Wow. So it sounds like I'm going to have to make a road trip to the Belair house. Oh, I hope you do. How far away are you from the Belair house? Okay. So I'm currently in Alabama. Oh, wow. However, hopefully in the next four to six weeks, I'll be moving back to New Jersey. Okay. And once I get yeah, settled. You're not far from you know, yeah. Because I, my, I, I used to belong to a paranormal investigation team in New Jersey. There's nothing here in Alabama to belong to, but when you want to go up there, maybe they'll want to do a road trip and come over there and check it out. Yeah, that'd be a lot yeah, of fun. Sure. You have to let me know when you're coming, yeah. so I can well, see you. Yeah, I, I would let you know. <laughs> that would be so cool. You know, we we rescue animals, and we have a little pit bull. She's not little anymore. Her name was Ani, and uh, her mom and dad live in Alabama, and they came here to get her so we call her Ani Ani Alabama <laughs> <laughs> I have a rescued pit bull from here too the puppy that the puppy that ate your book <laughs> uh, well that's okay if it was a little pit bull puppy that's that's perfectly fine <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm a sucker for pit bulls I I love pit bulls we have a chihuahua I like her but it's not a real dog to mm-hmm. me <laughs> after having a pit bull and Growing up with Irish setters and stuff, I like big dogs. Yeah. You know? he's my he's my first one, and it's funny. I have a pit bull and I have a French bulldog, and the French oh, bulldog yeah. is super mean. Is he? Yeah, but he'll draw blood every time too. Oh wow! And, and and the pit bull is so gentle. Yeah. You know, I mean, he's big and heavy. He doesn't know his own strength, but yeah. but he's gentle. Yeah. Yeah, that's so cool. You know, animals are so sensitive to energies. They truly, truly are. We, you know, my husband sometimes, he doesn't like to go to the house, but if there's an investigation and we're short on people helping us with it, he'll go and he'll sit and watch the monitors and then he'll, you know, keep his eyes open with toothpicks and then he'll go and lay down on the couch. And (laughs) we had little Gigi at that time because she was just a baby. Um, He had her sleeping on his chest and through the DVR system, you see this great big ball of light, and it wasn't a reflection that went on top of G and um, was while he was sleeping. And I was like, Daniel, go ahead and go home now, bro. It, it's cool. We got this, you know, because I didn't want him or her to be in danger. When Gigi was a puppy, I'd wrap her like in a little papoose, you know, around my neck, and she was secure like a baby. And I'd mop the floors and stuff. And I had done it so many times with her, but this one particular day, Kat Lang and I were in there. We were mopping the floors in the seance room. And that thing, she just fell to the floor. She truly fell to the floor. So it doesn't, the house does not like animals. There's cats that, of course, there's people that move away. Not people, but monsters that move away and they forget their animals. So, you know, we we collect the cats because I feed them. I feel like the old 
lady on the bench and Mary Poppins feed the birds Toppins a bag. Toppins a bag, right? Little hobo lady on Mary Poppins. But you know, we we do. I rescue those cats. I, I get them medically stabilized, and then we find homes for them. A lot of paranormal teams and and the members of teams. I think, gosh, mine is my brother. He's not paranormal at all. He's actually a flight attendant. But we, I think that six cats have left with paranormal investigators. So, I mean, not only are they coming to investigate, you know, the unknown, but they're also doing a kind human thing and accepting a, an innocent little animal into their family. Yeah. And they're well taken care of, you know. So, yeah. So we do. We try to we try to keep it real. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, obviously, as an investigator, you've investigated other places other than your own home. Yes. Now, out of everything that you've investigated, would you still say that the Bel Air house is the most active? I think it has multiple more multiple energy sources in it now active i i investigated the dungeon in jenny wade house in gettysburg that mm -hmm. was that was off the charts that was i saw full apparitions in gettysburg uh it wasn't just me that saw them it was other people yeah gettysburg's uh, a crazy place yeah i want to retire there i understand <laughs> that kind of energy <laughs> i like that record yeah um, Gettysburg, yes, absolutely. Salem, Mass has just a completely different energy to it. It really does. Um, we were on just maybe a week ago, maybe a couple Saturdays ago, I was on the USS Salem. And um, we went into the hospital room where all the beds are. Mm -hmm. I wasn't able. I couldn't do it. I had to step out. It was definitely um, more overbearing than anything for me. Um and I, I think that's because I, you know, sometimes paranormal people, you know, we get a little bit cocky and we're like, yeah, I don't need to wear this today. I don't I don't need to do this today. And then it boom, it hits you. It's like, oh, man, I should have done that. You know, I should have had that protection piece on. I mm -hmm. shouldn't have probably ate that hamburger before I came on here. You know, <laughs> those types of things. Yeah. Yeah, those are two good ones. I love the Hannah House in Indiana. I absolutely love the Hannah House, 100%. I think that's probably my favorite place in the world. Mm -hmm. And I think I like it more than the Belair House. Um, where else? Oh, my God. The Geyer Opera House is amazing, too. It's the, that's in Indiana. Mm -hmm. Both of the Hannah House and Geyer are in Indiana. Indiana has a plethora of paranormal hotspots there. Um and then there's a little old school here in our hometown um, that that's it's very haunted. I actually went to school there, and when oh. we were kids, they'd always say, "Mr. Mr. Mac, what was his name? Mackey, Mac, Maffy, Maffy, Mr. Maffy would roam the halls of the school, and it was like a four room schoolhouse. Uh -huh. you know? um, but one day, uh, I went in. It, this was just over the summer. I went in for the first time and I went in with, you know, three of my investigating girlfriends and, and I'm like, well, I don't want to ask them to investigate. And they're like, well, everybody knows who you are. You're more susceptible to going. And I was like, I, I'm not good at that. You go talk to them. And finally, um, Brandy went and talked to them and, and they let us investigate the whole building for a couple of hours. And, you know, we really caught some pretty cool information and data from that school. Um, one of his, um, one of the owner that owns the school now, 
his one of his uh, best friends had uh, recently transitioned and we had heard this guy's name and he was talking to us. And then we went downstairs after a couple of hours. We said, do you know a man? I can't remember his name, but do you know this man? And he looked at us like we were nuts. And he walked over to the refrigerator and he's like, you mean this guy? And he showed us a picture of him. And I'm like, well, we didn't see him. We just heard him. And, mm. and he believes that it was him. And with the information that had been coming through, we all truly believe that it was him. But, you know, with the Belair house and, and the intelligence that, that comes out of it, um, the prophetic things that come out of it, I, I think for me, I've investigated it so much um, that I have more stories. Like if I, if somebody just said, hey, here's the Hannah house, <laughs> move in for a year, I'd be like, oh, thank you, you know, and then I <laughs> probably have more stories and about the Hannah house too, but I'm predominantly there. And it's hard to investigate other locations because, you know, I'm kind of bound to the Belair House with teams coming in mm -hmm. and then having to operate yeah. it. So, you know, thank goodness that, you know, maybe every, you know, a team will be like, hey, we've been there before. If you want to, if you want to go to Massachusetts for the weekend, we got you, girl. Just give us the code and we'll clean up. And though I love those guys, you know what I mean? Because they know that I want to get out there. They know that I want to study. Um, but I, I just, you know, I, I rarely ever get to. Mm. So what is going to be the future for the Bel Air house? Are you going to, <laughs> are, are you going to keep it and allow investigators in? Are you going to try to, to, to rid it of its negative energies or are you going to try to transform it into a spiritual paranormal Mecca? I think all of that, really, I do. But like the things like the events and stuff that we're going to be doing, you're all going to think I'm crazy. I'm just going to tell you right now, you're all going to think I'm nuts. You're going to be like, what the hell is she doing? What has she lost her mind? No, I haven't lost my mind. I just have some really kooky friends that want to try some things. And we will do it in a very, very controlled environment. That's all I can say right now. Well, I can say one thing. In January, we're all moving in, not the family. Um, four investigators and myself are moving into the Belair house for 33 days. It'll be um, live broadcasted. There'll be cameras throughout the house. Um, <laughs> you can peek in on us through the Spirit Realm Network. Uh, so we will be doing that. Um, a lot of filming, not just like YouTube filming. We're going to be doing a lot of filming, um, which I'm really excited about. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and, you know, there's, 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 there's one more thing that I can't talk about right now, but I want to so bad, but it's going to be, it's going to blow people's mind. It's, it's, they're, they're either going to love me or hate me, but understand I'm just doing it for the data. I need to see, I need to see what happens. Mm. We need this. And, and of course we'll have um, two demonologists there and an exorcist there in case things, you know, get bad. Well, when you're there for the 33 days, if you're bored one night and want to do a podcast, everybody's welcome. Okay. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know if I'll make it the whole 33 days. I told my friend uh, day before yesterday, uh, I said, can we share a room that way I might be able to make it longer? <laughs> so, I mean, I don't want to sleep in a room by myself. I mean, I think that's mm -hmm. crazy. I don't know how people can do that because it... You know, there was one time it was like 4 a.m. in the morning and the investigation finally concluded. And I had lived probably 25 miles from the house at that point. And I was like, well, my friend's going to sleep on this couch and I'm going to sleep on the love seat. I woke up to something like spitting in my face. 
and it wasn't like it it wasn't saliva it wasn't spit it was like you know like mm-hmm. this big spit but it was just like air i guess you call it spiritual spit i know that sounds crazy but that's really what happened and then i woke up and it was probably about 6 a.m i was like nope i'm i'm good to go now i'm leaving but all of these crazy one of the ladies um sam she brought all of her haunted dolls with her and we had them on top of the uh piano and i think that's where it was coming from because that had never happened to me before and only one time since then a paranormal investigator reported something like that he was like i was asleep and in, in, in bed and he said like something just came up on me and just like blew a whole bunch of wind in my face like they spit on me and i was like really let's talk about that <laughs> because i i you know for the longest time i thought maybe it was my imagination but when you know people have bring these claims to me that i've already experienced then that means that it's foundation. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So I don't, you know, who's to say what the Belair house is going to allow us to do either. Who knows? I I don't know. We kind of, I've learned throughout the, you know, all of the years, it's like, sometimes you got to go to the Belair house and you have to talk to the spirits and be like, guys, is it okay if we do this? Is it all right? Do Do we have permission to do this? You know, um, I haven't asked him about the the major experience yet because I just learned of it when I was in Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was the synchronicities that led up to this this experiment that we're get, that we're going to do. Uh, I I can't explain that. I don't believe it was a coincidence at all. There there's just too 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 many close synchronicities there that was pointing us in a way to do it. So, and then we finally got everybody crewed up to do it. So That's now awesome. we just have to have a production meeting and then get in there and see what we can do. I can't wait to go there because I have never gotten scared on a paranormal investigation. Wow. It's it's weird. I'm, I'm like that guy that just doesn't flinch at anything. Right. Yeah. At least paranormal wise. Right. I mean, I'm not yeah. really thrilled with heights, but anything else? Yeah. Heights are bad. <laughs> <laughs> Right. They are. And, and I'm, I'm the guy who's planning to jump off the side of the Grand Canyon. <laughs> are you going to for real? Yeah. yeah. We're, we're going to go looking for, for, for a lost treasure that's supposedly hidden in a cave. Um, so. That's cool. <laughs> Where can I follow you? I want to watch this go down. Well, well we're working on it. We, we, we just did my, my, my co-host, Jared Murphy, author of It's Not Aliens, It's Worse, It's Us. Right. Just, I love that. So, just spent a week out there um, f- getting footage of, of, of the train so we could, you know, start, you know, our, find places to, to do our search, a preliminary sort of. And right. then we actually go out to doing an investigation. At first, we thought it may take like a week or two, but I, th- I think we're looking at something that might be more towards taking a month or more. Oh, yeah. Um, that would be so cool. I oh, I, please. But, but, but they, they say that the uh, there was a, a, a photographer found a treasure in the Grand Canyon, and it was ancient Egyptian with some Asian stuff in it, and he didn't know how he got there. And he it was reported to the Smithsonian. The Smithsonian came, took everything out, and buried the story. Oh, wow, huh? So well. So. I hope you guys find it. I yeah. hope they make a movie out of it. <laughs> <laughs> I watch it. <laughs> Got to do something with my free time. Yeah, for real. So why not go look for a treasure in the Grand Canyon? 
I think that's the best thing to do. I really do. I mean, that's that's exciting. Or you know, maybe I could spend 60 days in a Bel Air house alone. Dude, really? I could you want to try it? I would do it. You can try it. Real talk, <laughs> you can try it. You got to have a friend. We got to have a buddy system. You know, one night, my friend Eric Connor, he knows we're not allowed to do investigations alone. And he's like, he pulled me aside. He's like, what if I go live on YouTube all night? And like, cause he's got such a big faithful, you know, epic family that, um, that follows him on YouTube and they, they stay up with him all night. And he said, and if anything happens, you know, we'll call if something, you know, if it goes South, we'll call you. And he's like, you can watch it too. So you can watch me in real time. I was like, Eric, you know, I want to be asleep by midnight. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I can't, I have to, I have to keep at least some, you know, youth, but, um, it was about midnight. He called and he's like, uh, power just blew. And I said, oh, man. I was like, did you check the breaker? And check the breaker. And he said, the apartments next to us have power, but the Belair house doesn't. So I told my husband, he looked up American Electric Power to see what the deal was online. And it said less than five houses in Belmont County blew their electric. What Eric does, he's, he he creates these um, this piece of equipment. It's called a gateway. Mm-hmm. Well, he had three of them in a circle in the attic and he was this this was the energy just going around in a circle to where he opened up this portal and it's like this big so you could even hear it on the youtube channel this big sonic boom happened and then all the lights <laughs> went out and then you see little little eric and well he's not little he's a man but you he, he's a lot younger than i am you see him in the candle is there anybody here? Could you please be here? It was so cool. <laughs> it was just the coolest thing. But I was legitimately worried about him. And it said that the power wasn't going to come back on until like 5, 6 a.m. And he was on his own. I said, you can come on up here. But, you know, he, he was a trooper. He finished That's awesome. He did it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. Yeah. And before he got there, we you can see this. It was called Paranormal Confessions. It was nine days, nine nights in the Belair house. And we... Um, to the live stream through Spirit Realm Network, we were up in the altar room and um, you you just hear this great big boom. You know, it was this loud and Dave Spinks thought somebody broke in. You know, he's a, you know, ex-cop. He runs downstairs with his gun <laughs> right, to shoot somebody. <laughs> and there, the door was fine. The door was absolutely fine. And, you know, you see, you see Mike Simpson and I, another investigator up there, like, what, what's going on? You're like, I had never heard something like blow up like that before. Like it made no sense. Um, but the Foreman brothers, you know, in the beginning, they they had that happen to them too in that same room. But I always blame ads ah, just state route seven. It was probably a semi truck that hit a bump. I've mm-hmm. always thought that for years until I experienced it firsthand. I, there's no way to explain that. There was absolutely so we think that there was some sort of a portal that opened, um, and all the information that was coming through after that was was really insane and it's all live. You probably have to scroll down through Spirit Realm Network um, videos, but it's it's there. It's definitely there. That is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> you hit <laughs> the mother. You hit the mother load of paranormal. <laughs> I know. Who would ever thought, right? <laughs> now I've got. You know, my husband came to me this morning, and he's like, "You know what?" He said, "You know, you had the chief of police here last night telling you about speakeasies and." And, and underground railroads and he said did you read your emails today and i was like no he says you better and i said why he said because there's a man that works for um i i don't know because i'm not smart like that because the whole alien thing is new to me and i hate to say alien but mm-hmm. the whole celestial being um et is very very new to me 
Um, but anyway, he wants, he declassifies it. He declassifies what the government doesn't want us to know or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have to get back to him. But I asked my husband, it's like, I was like, is this going to be like the men in black? Like, are, are we going to have to like go into hiding? Are they going to come and like, you know, take our computers and kill us? <laughs> and he's like, no, he says, that's, that's not it. He's like, honey, they just want to talk to you about the star people. That's all. And I'm like, let me, let me, let me figure out what to say. <laughs> Because it's I, I, cool though. Like, like a lot more people are making like those connections. Yeah, but who know? would have ever thought? I mean, I'm just you know a little farm girl from Bel Air. You know, what I mean, who would ever thought it would have been like like there is really life after death. There is truly. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I've had yeah. my own near death experience, so. Oh really? Yeah. Oh man, it was fun. Really? I what loved would it. Happen- well, it was, I had I had an epileptic seizure, and it was for about 30 minutes, and I was totally outside my body. I mean, I was out there in the universe, and there was colors, and there was sound, and it was so cool. Yeah. I didn't want to come back. But, I mean, you- I, eventually I woke up, and I heard somebody yelling my name, and, and I woke up in the ambulance. Wow. But it was really cool. And then the weirder even gets a little bit weirder. Because about a week later, I get a book in the mail um, called Time Paradoxes. And the book came from Oxford University. It wasn't from Amazon or any place like that. And oh, the receipt yeah. in the book was six months in the future. So uh, so I think that I went to my I, – I, during the seizure, I, I, I jumped into a future self and sent myself this book back in time. Yeah, I believe it. I believe in multi-dimensions. Oh my god, I absolutely believe that. So it was pretty so, cool. So now do you because I know people I really wanna I wish I could find time to study like near-death experiences and like time traveling. I really w- wish I could. And one day I'll get there. It'll probably be when I'm 70. Hopefully I'm still here. But when when you did when you died. Do, do you feel now that you're more cognizant, like you have more intuition and you can see things like more psychic, I guess? Do you feel like uh, it, that? You know, I'm completely different, I think. Yeah. You know, one of the things afterwards was like, like this whole podcast. It wasn't too long after that. I was just taking a shower one day and just the idea in my head just popped into my head. Oh, we'll start a podcast. Right. And I did. You know, I, I followed that little Talking voice and, you know, here I am. You know, over 300 episodes later and, and so killing do you it. Think that, do you, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but do you think like maybe you were downloaded to come back and and talk about and educate? and? Uh, I, I think one of the most important, I don't know if that was the purpose of it, but I know afterwards it was just like, wow, there is just absolutely nothing to be afraid of. Mm-hmm. Nothing. Wow. You know, I mean, I was kind of, I was pretty fearless to begin with. Right. You know, but now like I'm 100% sure that that even death is not something to be feared. So were you able to see anybody that you recognize, like any energies that you recognize? Not that I remember. I just remember Mm -hmm. spinning and these colors and sound and, and, and an absolute feeling of peace. Wow. But yet, but yet, I knew I was conscious. Mm-hmm. Like, that was the weirdest part, you know. I was like still conscious. I was still aware. I was still kind of like me, 
but without all the baggage. So then you felt weightless. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Definitely weightless. Mm-hmm. Do you, see, when I do mediumship, I always tell, because I feel it and I hear it from the deceased that I'm speaking with, that they have to reacclimate themselves from gravity, like a like an astronaut. Mm-hmm. It, it, it takes them like a couple, well, there is no time, but it takes them, I guess, time is lack of a better word, to kind of understand that they are weightless and I guess like riding a bike, you know what I mean? Have to learn how to ride a bike, yeah. so to speak, you know? Oh, wow, that's that's so cool. So you were like, you were pronounced dead for like 30 minutes? I wasn't dead. I mean, I don't know. I was out. You know, it was a out. seizure. My brain right. was, just went Brain went poof. <laughs> right. Do you still have seizures or that just didn't happen so, at all? So I take medication now for the seizures. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes I think like, about like stop taking the medication and maybe sit in front of a strobe light and make it happen again. Don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. You know, no, please don't do that. Because I'm telling you, it was better than the angel dust. <laughs> That's because you're wearing a clutch shirt. <laughs> <laughs> I just saw clutch last week. Did you? Did yeah. you love it? Oh yeah, they're fantastic. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. I, mean, I saw them, God, thir- like 30 years ago when they first came out, too. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't been to a concert in so long, I can't, I don't uh, even remember. I went to two last week. Wow. That's great. That's yeah. So it was cool. like after, after two years of not going to anything. Yeah. Absolutely. It felt yeah. good. I bet. <laughs> bet it did. Yeah. Yeah, birds. <laughs> <laughs> so before we wrap it up, where is the best place for my listeners to find you? Um, BelairHouseTours.com. We also have a Facebook page. It's um, Belair House Tours. If you want to snoop in on my life, I actually have a TikTok. Really? <laughs> yeah, and I do like where I when I travel. Do you I dance? Do, no, I know that's a big thing. All the people get many, many views. I think I only have like, I don't know. It's not a lot of, um, not a lot of followers, but it's enough to go live, I guess. Um, but I, I have some data collected from uh, the dungeon at Jenny Wade House. A couple of things from the Belair House are on there, but it's called Paracat 999, um, Paranormal and Cats, and 999 represents Juice World. Big juice for believe it or not, even though I was a Seattle grunge musician, I love hip hop. <laughs> and that's just because of my kids. All I do is listen to hip hop all day long. So you kind of have to love it. But then I uh-huh. really fell in love with juice. I did. So yeah, that's the um that's the TikTok. Uh Instagram. I, I don't do a lot of social media, mostly on Facebook because you know I'm middle aged and all the middle aged people are still on Facebook. Me too. What, what they say. Um <laughs> But yeah, Facebook's the big one. Um, the Belair House is there. Um, my personal page is Kristen Lee. Uh, but, you know, you can always find me at the Belair House. And how about the book? Where can oh, listeners get the book? Yeah, please get the book because it's so cool. I can't believe it actually happened. I birthed another book. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> um, the, 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 it's actually on all platforms. There's an audio book, too. I think it's four hours and 45 minutes long. If you just do a Google search for Paranormal Confessions, Kristen Lee, you'll find it. Um, you'll find it on every um, platform. All right. Well, I will post a link to your website 
to awesome. maybe to your Facebook if you send it to me, and even your TikTok yeah. if you send it to me. Okay, for sure. And in notes to this episode, so my listeners can find you after listening to this, and I'm sure you'll be flooded with requests for people that want to stay at the Bel Air House. Oh, I hope so. I want everybody to experience and it. And I will definitely yeah. be there. Sure. All right. I can't wait to meet you in person. Yeah, I, I am an actual person. <laughs> I'm not just a disembodied voice that people listen to on their phones. Or artificial intelligence. <laughs> like a robot. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of that around, too. <laughs> Awesome. Well, thank you again for taking the time to talk to me and hang on for one more moment while I play my outro. Thank you.